0: I heard a story a long time ago, like 25, 30 years ago, 30 years ago at least. And uh, I don't know who the originator of the story is, but it's a good one. I had a young man who was in the building business with his father. Boy was learning the job after having gone to school and gotten his technical training and then uh, came home, began to go to work with his father in the practical business of building houses. Time came after a few years of that, that the father had the, his son into his office and he said, it's time you built a house without any counsel or direction from me at all. We worked together a long time now and I want you to build this house and he had the plans and specifications and had the money. And he said, now, you're being paid, and you don't need to get any extra money out of this deal. It's not the kind of deal it is. I want you to build the best possible house you can build. And the young man was a little hesitant to do that. He said, I'm afraid I'll make some mistakes. And the father said, I'm sure you will. We all do. Whatever we're doing, we're not going to find perfection. But you do your best. You do your very, very best on this house. So the boy went out, and uh, father had given him this amount of money to amply cover the building of the house. Well, what he did was he cut all kinds of corners. After he got into it and began to look at it, and he figured he could build that house for a lot less money than his father had given him. And that any money he could save shortcutting the plans, second-rating the quality, would go in his pocket. So he did that. He just barely met the standards. He did what I've heard people do. I'm told about this just a couple of weeks ago in Houston. Pour the concrete, put in the or put in the reinforced steel. Pour the concrete. And the builder inspectors come out and look at it. Before the concrete dries, they jerk that steel out of there. So it's not reinforced concrete at all. Happened at a church in Houston. Well, that's what this kid did. And he was pocketing that money, knocking it down on the side, building a house. And every now and then his father would ask him, how's it going? He said, oh, it's going great, it's going good. Finally, the day came, the house was finished. The boy walked into his father's office, he said, well, it's done. The father said, well, that's great, terrific. How'd you do? Well, he said, I, I could do better next time. He said, I'm sure you could. We all can improve, but how'd you do? Well, I don't know. Well, the father could detect a little vacillation in the boy's attitude and uh, his response. And he said, uh, what I want to know is, did you do the best possible job you could do? Boy thought a minute and said, mm, well, I, I guess so. Hope so. Father said, I hope so, too, because he said, you see, that was my money and it's your house. Here are the keys. You know, it's just a parable. Whether it's a true story or not, it's a great story and a true story. We've all got to live in what we build. We all do. Rome wasn't built in a day, but it sure was destroyed in a day, and the same can happen to life. Jesus talks a good bit about this building business. One of the chief passages of Scripture is at the conclusion of what's called the Sermon on the Mount in the 5th chapter 7th chapter, the 5th, 6th, and 7th chapters of the book of Matthew, right at the end of his this incredible dissertation, sermon, collection of divine truths, Jesus concludes it by saying this, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. years ago the first time I ever looked at this passage of scripture with any seriousness at all I mean really studying it with the idea in mind of trying to understand it and then communicate to other people the first impression I had was that by modern standards both of the men are nuts seems to me they're both crazy It seems to me that if a man was wise, he wouldn't build his house where the floods came. Wouldn't build his house where the rains could wash away the foundation. Wouldn't build it where the harsh north wind could tear at it. I mean, if you're smart, you look ahead. It's some projections and some plans. You can avoid those things in your house. No way. Jesus, as we know, is not talking about a house. He's talking about your life and my life. And he's smart enough to know that there is no place in the world where you can build your life where you're not going to have storms. No place in the world where you can build your life that you're not going to have sorrow and testing. The old Spanish proverb There is no home which does not at some time know its hush. That's true. So the difference, according to Jesus, between a wise man and a foolish man is not the place where he builds. Not the guy that figures out where the most secure subdivision is, where they have got... 24-hour guards and guard dogs and junkyard dogs and everything else out there to protect your house. You're not going to escape the rains. rains of discouragement are going to come. The winds of adversity are going to blow. The waters of temptation are going to rise about you. There's no way to avoid them. So here we are beginning talking about Christian home week or month or Christian home emphasis and the whole Bible study series beginning next Sunday is on the Christian home. Where you build it's not going to make the difference between being wise and being foolish with your house like with your life. Another thing that Jesus did not distinguish between a wise man and a foolish man on the basis of the materials that he used. Did he? He did not distinguish between a wise man and a foolish man on the basis of the materials used. Howard Hovde touched on this Saturday morning, and it, it is so true. A lot of us grew up with the idea that if you're really dedicated to God I mean if you are a one dedicated to God you're a missionary that is the supreme commitment of life if you're a missionary everything is going to be great in your life your children are never going to be sick you're one of God's pets and everything is marvelous marvelous forget about William Carey and all the problems that that anybody like that. Forget about David Livingston. The idea is if you're a missionary, God puts a sort of guard-all shield around you. Do you remember guard-all shield from Colgate toothpaste ad days? Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, it's off the market. Didn't work. People's teeth fell out even with guard-all on there. (laughs) The idea that if you're a missionary, boy, you're you're on the top of God's pyramid. Then you move down a little further and there are the evangelists. That's that's much more sacrificial. You have to be away from home. We preach the same sermons over and over and over and over and over <laughs> thirty years at a time, but you you have to be away from home. And so but that's the next That's the next step down. Boy, if you're an evangelist, hmm, God's going to really look after you. Then you move down to the next, and they are pastors. And then maybe seminary professors. And then maybe, down close to the bottom of the list, educational directors. Uh, Youth directors. Youth directors, yeah, that's right. No, don't laugh. You know who's on the bottom of that kind of list? You are. <laughs> Lay people. Like I mean, he is just a layman. I mean, he can't expect God to ever pay any attention to him. Well now, that's kind of built into us, isn't it? Sort of built into our way of thinking. You know, my soul, if if somebody that's a missionary, if they they have some problems, that doesn't that's not fair. Or an evangelist gets a headache. It's not right. God's not holding up his end of the bargain. No, there's no place to go to escape those things, not be anybody. God doesn't have any favorites. You're all his favorite Every one of you is his favor. And he doesn't judge us and distinguish between us on the basis of the materials we use to build our lives. You say, I believe you're just as called of God to be a businessman or a teacher or a housewife or an attorney as Billy Graham or an evangelist or another evangelist or a missionary or a pastor, anybody else. I believe every man's life is a plan of God, everybody's. And God loves all of us equally. Calls some of us to be evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry Paul tells us in Ephesians but God doesn't make a distinguish doesn't distinguish between wisdom and foolishness on the basis of the materials out of which we build our lives now let me say this parenthetically I believe God called some people specifically to full-time vocational Christian work no question about that it's biblically true been true through two thousand years. God does call some people to vocational Christian work. Not because they're better, not because they're more moral, not because they're more talented. In many instances, they're none of those. Most instances, they're not any of those. He's chosen the weak things of the world to confound the wise. Let me tell you something I just learned, studying so the other morning. Paul, when he's talking about trying to think of the reference, I'll get it later, or it may come to me in a minute. When Paul was talking about Christians making a difference in the Roman world, he said, you who are Christians, you believers, are born out of nothing. You know where that phrase comes from? Any of you interested in raising horses, you can go ahead and say that in the Baptist service. You can raise horses and race horses and... and, uh, not be against Baptist theology. I talked with Mr. Strauss the other day about this very thing. Wonderful, fine man. Everybody in the horse racing business would like the Strauss family to be okay, but they're not, unfortunately. But they say, they're talking about some colt that was born. They'll say that the colt was out of, and they give the name of his mother, out of the name of his mother. Paul says those of us who are believers, including himself, were born out of nothing. We do not have anything in our heritage and in our lineage to recommend us to God except our need for him as our Savior. It's not on the basis of our family name, not on the basis of the nobility or the lack of it of our birth. We're all born out of nothing. For all of us, if you just go back far enough in your family tree, Like all of us, you're going to get back to old man Adam. We've got his blood in our veins. And so it is not on the basis of what we are, what we learn, what we do, the material out of which we build our lives. Well, it's very clear what the difference is. The difference between a wise man and a foolish man, according to the Lord, is the thing on which he builds. And he's saying here that if we don't build upon the rock, upon him, we're foolish. Because the rains are going to come, and the winds are going to blow, and the floods are going to rise. And if you built upon the rock, you'll make it. If you've built upon the sand, you won't. I'm reading a book right now. I think it's on the New York Times bestseller list. The March of Folly. Any of you reading that book? By Barbara Tutman, one of the leading historians of the world, wrote uh, Guns of August. She's considered the leading historian in the Western world today. The March of Folly. And the thesis of the book is, and she goes all the way back, beginning in uh, ancient history, and the, even the, the, the story of the Trojan horse, through the Roman Catholic uh, tradition, through the Renaissance popes, through uh, Vietnam and some of the other activities, uh, militaristic activities of the world, how people know to do better. They have information contrary to the procedures they're following and evidence that the way they are going is is destructive and that they're going to lose the war or they're going to lose their life and they go on and do it anyway. The March of Folly... We repeat year after year, generation after generation, the mistakes of others, even when we know better, even when we have information to the contrary. The more I've read that book, the more I've thought, that's not just true of nations. That's not just true of nations in history and nations currently. It's true of people. It's true of people. I know some homes that are that are about to come unglued. Now, they look good on the outside. You know something? You can have a foundation that looks good, and you keep adding pressure, and there's some hidden cracks in that foundation, and when the pressure gets applied, they'll appear and that house will crumble. That's why it's not easy to distinguish true faith from false faith until it's tested. That's the reason we're tested. It's not so that we will fail. It's so that we will strengthen the foundation. March of folly. People who persist. People who persist in a disposition and a way of life that they know to be contrary to the best interest of their souls. I mean, you know them. You may be one of them. I know a lot of them who willfully, persistently continue in a pattern of life that they know is destructive to them and to their family. The march of folly continue to build upon the sand even though it didn't work before. It's not working now. It's never worked in anybody else's life. But we think, man, let's try it one more time one more time we somehow think we are immune some greek philosopher said something to the effect that infatuation infatuation is the enemy of good reason infatuation is the enemy of good reason. Get infatuated with ourselves and with others and with a fantasized version of the world and think we can build our homes and our lives and our relationships without God, we know it won't work. And yet the march of folly goes on, building upon the sand. The rains come, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell with a great crash. We're doing everything we can in the life of this church, excuse me, in the life of this church to help family life. I talked to the young couple yesterday afternoon they are going to be married Saturday week. We have a counseling program here in the life of this church, premarital counseling program. We don't marry anybody that doesn't go through that anymore. I got concerned, been concerned for a long time about the fact that so many people, we be talking to them and perform the marriage and everything seemed to be going great and then a few months or a few years later they end up back there in the office. And I want to tell you 95 times out of 100 by the time they come back to see the pastor it's too late. Most of the time they bring you a corpse. It's a last resort. Most of the time, not always. And then there are some who even blame the counselor or the pastor when they're not able to patch it all up and make it work. Like people who, in a horrible accident, blame the emergency room for not saving life. You work with what you've got. So we decided we're going to do all we can on the front end of this to help ensure good Christian marriage. Talked to Johnny White about it. Talked to Gloria Smith about it. And we, over a period of time, mainly they, devised a marvelous program of premarital counseling. We'll help people. It's not a surefire system. Nothing is. But we're going to do everything we can to get people to build their lives, their homes, their family, upon the rock of ages. And, my friend, even when you build upon the rock, the storms are going to come. And you're going to need a strong foundation of faith in Christ and in each other. The great thing about being a Christian is that we have a marvelous architect. He's drawn up magnificent plans for the temple of our spirit and soul and life, our home life. My soul, how he wants it to be happy. You know, he performed the first marriage home was God's idea it was his creation Jesus authenticated it and reaffirmed it by performing his first miracle at a wedding ceremony because that's where life in many ways really begins for others you become a co-creator with God build upon the rock it takes two to build on that rock can't build half the foundation on the rock and the rest of it on the sand. Half the house is going to go. That's why the Word of God cautions so strongly about Christians marrying Christians. Now, the Bible does say that. The Bible does say that. Because that's just good sense. Now you, you, Some others can prove it wrong occasionally, but the march of folly will generally confirm it. It doesn't work. Build your house upon the rock, your personal faith, your personal commitment. Be sure it's upon him. And the rains will come, the winds will blow, the floods will beat against it, and it will not fall you will not fall. For you and yours are built upon the rock. Lord, may this moment be a moment of commitment for every one of us, fresh commitment for all of us, initial commitment for some. But may every one of us here in this hour lean toward Jesus, look toward him, move toward him, we pray this in his name and for his sake. Amen. I'm right here to greet you. You come as we sing.